Hi, everyone, and welcome to AB Conversations, where we will help you CFP your way out of it, a podcast where you get into the minds of a couple certified financial planners on how we think and feel about everyday financial planning questions and what should really matter most to you. A healthier financial life starts now. Hey there. Welcome back. I am pleased to be back. How are you today? Just great. It's our Good. favorite fav- favorite day of the week, podcast day. I love it. I hope our audience loves it. Great topic again today. Very timely. Yeah. So we're going to revisit a topic that we first covered back in August. It was do elections mm-hmm. matter? Um, and we gave that perspective on, you know, from a financial planning side of things, how, how do elections influence or not influence our strategies from a planning perspective? So this will be do elections matter part two. The follow-up, yeah. n- yep. now that we, we have a new year, we have a new administration, we have some more variables that are known, so yes. let's, re- let's revisit, has our opinion changed at this point, knowing what we know now? Do elections no, it, matter? Yeah. Yes, they do. No, our opinion has not changed. Um, so let's, let's separate those two. Yes, of course, elections matter. Um, you know, here we are. I guess four, maybe getting close to five months from the last time we recorded that, you know, we're still in the middle of multiple crises here in the country. Um, Stakes have never been higher. And I think elections matter. It's now shown that two thirds of the country actually voted. It has not been that high since going back to 1900. So um, it's the degree to which it matters that I think we really kind of hit on the last time. And maybe we should do that again. Elections to our financial plans maybe don't matter as much as we think, right? That was our, our point. Don't let your politics affect how you invest. Um, but yeah, I'd say let's, let's go through maybe some of those logistics. We now know what happened since August. So let's talk about that and then maybe talk about why the market is, in our opinion, up so much right now. Yeah. So let's, yeah, let's, let's run through that quick bullet point of just now what has become more solidified. What do we actually know now? Yeah, that what we, do we know? We, we, yeah, we weren't sure of back when we we first discussed it. Right there was the the thought of, you know, if if the if there was a democratic sweep, the, you know, the quote unquote the blue wave. What would that mean? How would the market react? Right. Um, and that that wave technically happened. That now the the house, or I should say, yes, that the house is still democratic controlled. The Senate right now is a 50-50 split with right. a. T- being the vice president. So theoretically, you could say they have a a slight control there. Biden being the president, they have have control there. So we wouldn't necessarily call it a wave. It was more of like, you know, a a light drizzle, the the (laughs) split and you you have the statistics The the split in the house is what, like, seven, seven votes. It's it's 10 seats, 10 seats. Yeah, it's 10 seats. And yeah, clearly the, the Senate being evenly split it it doesn't seem like that initial feared response of complete control and being able right. to push bigger agenda items that that may have that trickle down effect negatively to the markets doesn't seem like like that's on the horizon yeah and i guess you know we don't have to make this podcast totally about politics but um those that maybe know me personally know that you know my degree was in political science so i got a little charged up kind of thinking about this but the, I guess the reality is it is 51% blue 
in all factions of government. So yeah. that's not a strong majority at all. In fact, it, when you think, you know, the, the factions in each party right now, um, you know, just because the Democrats have control does not mean the progressive agenda is going to fly. And I think that's where we hear some people talking about, well, doesn't that mean we're going to lead to all this more spending, socialism, mm -hmm. yada, yada, yada. We have a very moderate government if we look beyond, you know, that blue wave on the surface. And I think that's the key to, to maybe why the market's up so much right now because it's still even though it's one party barely it's still a very divided government uh, which is going to make it very hard to actually get anything done uh, in our opinion i think that's what the market's telling us yeah so uh, a lot of what i've been hearing and reading is that this this scenario with how how evenly things are split it may even be kind of the goldilocks scenario for the stock market mm. and for the economy that they're there is enough, um, you know, control, quote unquote, to be able to pass some more stimulus measures, right. to pass some right. additional spending bills, get some help to get us through this, this, the, hopefully the end of this COVID crisis once vaccines can completely right. roll out, yep. get us through these, the, the, to, the, to the light at the end of the tunnel. But there's not so much democratic control or, or really will with throughout the, the government to really increase taxes to any large degree. Um, yeah. And that's, that was kind of the fear, right? If, if there was large tax increases, this, this spending and this debt has to be paid for eventually some way, somehow, that was the initial fear that there was going to be large increases in taxes that would limit either in investment itself or just yeah. corporations really kind of pressing the pause button on, on their own growth. And I think that's what the market's telling us. I mean, we're, we're up it's crazy to think we're up 15, 16, maybe even 17% by now since yeah. November 3rd, 4th, mm -hmm. 3rd. whatever that actual date was. You know, and if you think about it, for, for most investors that are kind of asset allocation, middle of the road, that's like three years worth of the returns <laughs> that you're seeking. You know, why is the market going up so much? I think you hit on it. The belief here is that what can actually get done is going to be more stimulus, more aid, you know, maybe... Biden's administration is less hawkish on trade, right? Something that right. was throwing the market into a little bit of a tantrum in, in 2018, 2019. Sure. Maybe yeah. we're spending on rebuilding America a little bit, infrastructure. If you're truly mm -hmm. politically neutral and you look at this strictly from that market perspective, you like all those things. And I, I think that's why the market's up and not really looking at the political divide in the way that I think us as individuals might. Yeah. And the other side of that, and I'm, I'm pretty sure we talked about this in, in the original podcast, is the, the political side of things does not necessarily equal the economy, right? Sure. The, right. The, what really drives the markets, and there is absolutely policy and legislation that can impact companies, taxes, the personal side of things that can really impact at a, at a you know, the local level of, of how does it actually impact us? and can cause mm -hmm. some, some trickle-down effect to the markets. But ultimately, it's how is the economy doing and are companies profitable? That's what's really driving the stock market pricing. That's, that's the mechanism itself. And from that aspect, it's really driven right now. It's all COVID. It, at some point, it's getting the vaccine right. rolled out. It's the light at the end of the tunnel that we can start to reopen the services sector that is still hurting, right? right. It's, it's the restaurant industry. It's... it's Anything that's not Walmart and Amazon and Target, the, the consumer staples that still had to go on, 
But the things that are still shut down and, and can't reopen and really fully get back to normal, that's where the market is kind of projecting out six, 12, 18 months, seeing that hopefully right. by, the, by the middle of this year, the end of this year, that there will be enough herd immunity between people that have had it and the vaccine rollout that we can start to get back to a more yep. normalized economy. And that's yep. what the market is, is really trying to, to price in right now. Yeah, and let me let me stick on that time horizon you just spoke of. If the, if the market is really like being a weighing station 12 to 18 months from now, I think the market's already looking at midterm elections. And this is where I'll, I'll get my political science history back in here too. It's very likely the Democrats lose seats, right? And that's just, that's history. You know, only three times in the last 22 elections, I think, has the incumbent party picked up seats mid midterm. Um, in the House. And I think it's only four times in the Senate. Don't quote me, but it's, it's something very small percentage of time they actually pick up seats. So just yeah. looking at history, you know, it's, it's not a situation, I think, where the market's tr predicting that something grand is going to change in the makeup of our government right now in the way that policy changes would be considered significant. So I think put that all together, you know, let's maybe move to the investment side of this. It, I think this election cycle reinforced to a degree what we are saying, you know, what lessons did we learn here? It's kind of just stay the course, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that was, well, I hope that was one of the takeaways from our, our first uh, conversation was, yeah, that this can absolutely affect you on a personal level. Everyone has their own, their own political views and, and their own, you know, pros and cons based off of the situation. Right. But, from a financial planning and from an investment perspective, at the end of the day, this is only one of many variables that really get baked in to that, to either to the, the market pricing or to your own financial planning strategies, Right. that it, it really can be filtered out. So let's focus on the things that you can control, your own goals, your own saving, your own spending, and let's just stay focused on, on, on that side of things. Yeah, and I really like the way you put that because we we often try to kind of pinpoint that as the 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 way that people need to think about it. That there are so many different things that can tip the scale of is the market going up or is it going down. That it's our own human nature that's at fault for for believing that some piece of headline news carries more weight on that scale than it does. And it could be something that is important, you know, to us independently, you know, personal lives, our our values, something of that nature but it doesn't necessarily mean that that equates to tipping the scale for the market. And I think that's taught us a lesson, not only with politics this time around again, um, but certainly the look at, let's look at 2020 on the whole. There was so much going on, so much volatility. It was, yeah. it was volatility. Like we, we've certainly never seen in our lifetime. You know, we, I want to throw one more stat out there and, and kind of get your, your feedback on this. Mm -hmm. Pullbacks in the market are defined by you know, 5% from its highest point, right? And it coming back down, corrections, 10%, bear markets, 20. We had 10 pullbacks of more than 5% last year. <laughs> we had 78 of them. Oh, I'm sorry, 93 of them in the 78 years prior. Okay. So that's just crazy. One, yeah. What, one to one and a half per year on average. And we had 10. You had 10 last year. And actually eight of them occurred after that horrible pull down in, in March. You know, so we, we think, you know, it's, hey, we've seen this great recovery. We have since April 1st, but eight times between April 1st and the end of the year, 
we kind of had some some panic going on again. So I really want the lesson to be both politics and investments, what you went through in 2020, pat yourself on the back if you stayed the course, right? Because you went through more volatility than historically you've ever gone through before. And if you stayed the course, what it showed us was you were rewarded, right? The market yeah. did okay. Yeah, and historically that's, that's been the case, right? We, we, we say it and it's true over long enough time horizons, if you stay invested, yeah, you are rewarded for staying the course and staying invested over over those periods of time. You can always pick out shorter pieces of the calendar. Maybe if you started investing in February of 2020 and you yeah. sold in April, you probably lost money if you invested in any sort of risk asset, even bonds. Yeah, but yeah, over no a long enough time, <laughs> a long enough time period, you are rewarded um, because the market has always recovered from all of these crises. So I think that's the other side of it. And you said it. It's patting yourself on the back if you if you were able to stomach that ride. And I, I'm certainly guilty of it too. It's the recency bias of now that we're at the end of the year and you're looking back on the year as a whole and you think, oh, the S&P 500 was up you know, 16 to 18% if you include the yeah, dividends. Geez. And it's like, it's wow, it's a great year. But yeah, thinking back of all of the volatility that it took to get to that end result is where, yeah, you, yeah. you really have to, to stick to your plan and stay disciplined to block out a lot of that noise and just trust you, the process over time. Yeah, you had to have a lot of emotional uh, fortitude. Yes, I, I'm glad you filled in the blank because I couldn't, I shouldn't be using the word that was popping into my head. You had to be really emotionally, you know, strong to hang in there, and you were rewarded for it. It wasn't easy lifting, but I, you right. know, let's button that up. That's why we're here. You know, it's not easy for us either. You know, we, we carried that weight on our shoulders of, of knowing we had all these people relying on us to kind of keep a steady hand. Um, but that's kind of the point. If you build the plan, that is your lifeboat. Jump, don't jump out of the lifeboat when things get crazy, whether that's how you're feeling politically or, or what you think could happen to the markets. So stay the course. Yeah, I guess the, the caveat there being this was one of the, if not the swiftest bear market, right? From peak to the bear market, but it was also one of the quickest rebounds off of that. That may not be the case in the future. It may take a little bit more fortitude to be able to ride maybe a longer downturn, yep. but we've seen it. 2008 was a great example. That was, that was a, a pretty ugly drawdown. It took years to recover um, any meaningful to any meaningful level. But again, here we are almost 13 years removed from that process. And yeah, if you look at the stock market chart over that period of time, it's it's still that upward sloping to the right graph. Yeah, who knows where we go from here, but let's not ignore history, I guess is the point. Yes. All right. Thank you, sir. Do elections matter? Of course they do. Should they change your plan? Our answer still? Nope. Mm -mm. Let's hang in there. That's right. All right. Thanks for the time. Okay. Bye. See you soon. Hey everyone, Adam and I really appreciate you tuning in. Please note that the opinions we voiced in the show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be most appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, your accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to making any decisions or investing. Thanks for listening.